Girlfriends, episode number 277, Life Transformations with Liv Harrison. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week, my guest is Liv Harrison. She has an amazing story. I cannot wait to share this conversation with you. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriend, how are you? Thanks for joining me here for the newest episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. Always happy to connect here. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. I'm thrilled that you're checking us out, and I hope that you're going to want to stick around, become a full-time member of the Girlfriends community. I love all the ways that we can share and connect here about the things that really matter, about life, about work, about relationships, and about faith. That's what Girlfriends is all about, and I'm glad you're here to be a part of it today. So this week, my guest is Liv Harrison. She has an amazing story. And you know, I think that word amazing is overused, and I try not to use it, but I can't help but use it with Liv because it's amazing. I'm amazed. So I I can't wait to share her story of physical and spiritual transformation with you. But um, first, I wanted to mention that um, part of what Liv shares is um, she underwent a large physical change. She she lost a lot of weight. And she shares about fasting as being part of that. And fasting, of course, is part of our faith practice. Jesus talks about fasting in the Gospels. He explains that um, fasting can be a, a fruitful part of our prayer life. And it's meant to be that. Um, I will link in the show notes to a previous episode of Girlfriends where I talked about the spiritual benefits of fasting. Um, But what Liv shares about is weight loss as a result of fasting. And that's actually a very trendy topic these days. People talk a lot about intermittent fasting. And um, that is something that I have a lot of experience with. And I'm a big fan of it for myself. And I've seen it benefit other people greatly. But I want to give the caveat that if you're interested in fasting, first of all, if you're interested in, in my own thoughts on it. I I shared a lot in stories and Instagram uh, a few weeks back, and there's a Instagram highlight on my Instagram. I'm Danielle Bean on Instagram. If you go there and just find the highlight, that's fasting Q&A. I I took people's questions about it and just shared my own experiences. So if you want any of that nitty gritty details, you can go there for that. But fasting is a topic that gets people worked up. Back when I published that show on the spiritual benefits of fasting, I for sure wasn't telling anybody what to do. And yet I did get some serious pushback from some people who were saying, fasting's bad for you, fasting, it's terrible for your health, and there are all kinds of reasons to not do it. And I am not giving medical advice here. (laughs) And also in my fasting Q&A on Instagram, also not giving medical advice, just sharing my own experiences and my, my thoughts on it. But that experience when I shared about the spiritual benefits of fasting, let me know that this is a hot topic for people. People have strong feelings about it, both positive and negative. So before I share my conversation with Liv, I wanted to, to share with you that fasting is for sure not for everybody. Even if you need to lose weight, it may not be the right thing for you. Um, you need to talk with your doctor about that. We're not giving medical advice here. Also, if you are pregnant, if you are nursing, if you have a, a history of eating disorder, fasting is not for you. It's just not. And like I said, it's not for everybody. So it's, you know, not something to lament. But if you're curious about it, want to know more about it, Live is certainly is an enlightening story, an inspiring story. And again, go to my Instagram, Danielle Bean on Instagram. And I have that fasting Q&A in my highlights. And before I share my conversation with Liv, I just want to mention at the end of today's show, in that last segment of the show, we're going to be continuing our mini Whisper book club. So Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday is my newest book available from Ascension Press. And in the podcast in the next several weeks, I'm going to be going chapter by chapter just taking five or 10 minutes at the end of the show, sharing some of the themes that I take on one chapter at a time inside of Whisper. So definitely stick around for that. And if you haven't yet gotten your copy, the books are shipping. They are available through ascensionpress.com. They're also available on Amazon. And the Audible version is coming soon. I recorded that just last week. And I'm excited to share that with you because I know a lot of people enjoy listening to books. I know I do for sure. Whether you're going for a walk or going for a drive, it's nice to be able to listen to your book and have that flexibility. So that is an option that is going to be coming soon with Whisper. But in the meantime, you can get your paperback copy from Ascension 
ancientpress.com or from Amazon. Also, there's a Kindle version that's available. So stay tuned. At the end of the show, we're going to be going through chapter two, which is finding God in joy. All right, next up, take a listen to my recent conversation I have with Liv Harrison. Hey, everyone. I am very excited to welcome for the first time here on Girlfriends, my friend Liv Harrison is joining us. Liv is known for being a professional speaker and MC with a gift for humor, storytelling, and wisdom. In May 2019, Liv successfully wrote, launched, and MC'd the Genius Catholic Women's Conference outside of Austin, Texas. Then in March 2020, the unique Genius Catholic Women's Conference launched in Dallas. Liv is currently a co-host on the Forte Catholic Podcast, and the Theology of Body podcast, Discerning Marriage. On June 1st, 2020, Liv launched her own interview storytelling podcast titled Talk to Me with Liv Harrison, the stories behind their success. Lastly, she's been a frequent voice on Sirius XM and other radio programs, both as a guest and as a co-host. She's married to her high school sweetheart and the mother of two, Zach, who is 18 and a senior, and Kana, who is 10 and in the fifth grade. Hey, Liv, I am so excited to have you here on Girlfriends today. Hello. Oh my goodness, Danielle. How are you doing? I am excited to have you. I'm excited <laughs> to have this conversation. Okay. Yes. We were just chatting before we came on. There's a ton, a ton we need so to much. get to, but yes. uh, yeah, we're not going to cover it all. Let's just no. accept that. We're going to run out of time before <laughs> we've gotten to all of it, but let's just go in with confidence here. Let's just start for people who may not be familiar with you and your work. Just give us an idea of your, your faith background. Are you a cradle Catholic? Were you a convert? What's, what's your story there? I'm boring. I'm a cradle Catholic. I, I yeah, actually same. had parents. <laughs> no, it even gets worse. I had parents that taught me the faith. So, you know, like, <laughs> ew, I, that's so weird. Isn't that gross? <laughs> <laughs> I never had these moments of like getting hit with lightning and all of a sudden, like a nun flew down from heaven on a cloud. I didn't get any of that. <laughs> I got like, I knew who Mary was and why I went to mass and all that. I even got to meet Pope John Paul II and got blessed. I went to Medjugorje when I was 10 prayed the rosary every night wow. with my family. I mean, talk about boring. So, you know, yeah. nothing but exciting blessed. there, I, but I love the faith. <laughs> yeah. I was taught it and you. I ended Good up sticking you. around. So all the parents who are worried about teaching your kids the Catholic faith, if they're going to keep it, I'm here to say yes. I'm a success story. Yes. So how about that? <laughs> I love that. You can so do it. It is possible. And here we are living, breathing examples of it. I love that. And I love that you share. It's just vanilla. It's just boring, but it's actually fantastic. What a beautiful no, gift. It's what great. a beautiful <laughs> blessing it is to have that faith background. And I love that you shared that you were married to your high school sweetheart. Same here. Yeah, and we met I think in the youth group. Did you guys meet? Uh, oh, youth group? Is, no, we didn't. We met in biology class. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> was he your tutor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Getting an education. <laughs> yeah, oh my I gosh, love it. I love it. Yeah, no, okay. we were well, listen. different high schools. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I, lo I love that you have that background because something that has always been like special to me with regard to my relationship, and I'm sure it's the same for you and Nathan, is that kind of felt like we grew up together, you know, and like... Yeah. I have to remind myself, I'm like, God, am I attracted to my really hot brother? Wait, that's not my hot brother. That's my <laughs> husband. <laughs> this is legit. I met him at 15. So. I know. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, I love it. it is. And we, and yeah, it's great. No, it's great. And we actually were best friends before we started dating, like legit best friends. We were the couple that everybody was like, are you guys dating? And we were like, ew, gross. And inside it was like, I wish, you know, so <laughs> if, if, only. Finally, if only, <laughs> <laughs> so he finally caught on at 17. He figured it out. Oh so yeah, no, we really did grow up together though. My mom's his confirmation sponsor. Um, oh, and he ended cool. up going into business with my father and my brothers, and he still owns the business with one of my brothers. So it really is this like growing really up great. family thing. So there you go. Oh, but I way. love that. <laughs> I love that. That is so great. And, and that you're, you're together after all these years. And do you, did you go to the prom together? We did. I tell everybody, I tell the kids, cause he, um, I work with a lot of youth and I'm like, you better be careful. You say yes to, and go to the prom with, because you could end up marrying them. So I know. we it did we went to each other's proms. Yeah. So we That's did. Awesome. And cause we didn't get together till midway through senior year. And he told me, he was like, 
I'm in love with you. We're 17. And, and he was like, I'm going to marry you. And I was like, okay, great. But like in May, are you going to be around for the prom? <laughs> first things first, buddy. Literally what I said. I was like, let's listen. We've got priorities here. Okay. I don't know about oh you, but I need to know if I need to get a dress. <laughs> he was like, obviously Perfect. you can't understand what I'm saying. But yeah, so we did. We went to the so prom. Great. We went to two because we went to different high schools. So that was fun. So they bonus. I love it. Bonus. Extra, extra awkward photos for later years for your kids to love. That is great. Exactly. Oh, great. Exactly. Okay. Well, listen, we've got so much I want to talk yes. about, but specifically I wanted us to focus on, you've got this dramatic story of weight loss, yeah. transformation, physical, I'm sure emotional, spiritual was all part of that process. But, you know, we came to talk about this because I was sharing on social media about intermittent fasting and some of my experience with it. And, you know, and then you were like messaging me saying, Oh my gosh, <laughs> Like this is me. I do this. I, I do this. this. This has changed my life. And my life. I thought, let's, let's talk about this on the podcast. Yeah. So first we got to get the caveats out of the way, right? Like sure. neither of us is a doctor. We're not trying to give you no. medical advice. No. And, and this, this idea of intermittent fasting as great as it can be for some people, it is not for everybody. There are people that, you know, if you've got any underlying conditions, if you're pregnant, if you're nursing, if you have any chronic issues, you should talk to your doctor, all of that, right? Correct. Absolutely. That is all correct. Also, if you're someone who's prone to eating disorders, that's something mm. that you definitely need to check with your team, you know, about what is yeah. healthy for you and what is not. Yeah. So yeah, I always like to say that to, to friends because for you, know, sure. you never know. Yeah. I there know. You go. Right. Right. But no, yeah. definitely. That's a, a vulnerable population. So it is. But let's yeah. let's talk about you. So what was yeah. your, your history like with regard to your own body image and your health? And you know, how did you how did you come to the place where you even considered doing something like intermittent fasting? Oh yeah. Well, okay. So just to give you a little background, I was born and raised in Louisiana. And in case you don't know, Louisiana has a lot of good food. Like that's kind of what you do there. <laughs> you know, it's we a pastime. <laughs> Not really. We didn't, but we like to pretend we did. Um, and then my father is hundred percent Italian from New Jersey. So also, I don't know if you know about the Italians, they like to I've eat. I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah. So, and they're you know, a Cajun Italian, you know what I mean? It's like, I didn't stand a chance, but, um, when I was eight, I was brought to Weight Watchers for the first time. So I want you to oh think about gosh. that being eight years old, being at Weight Watchers. So that's how much of a problem my life already with weight right. began very young. Uh, we moved to Houston, which is where I live now at the age of 10. And so I started fifth grade here and, and that's where I live now. And um, my parents used to take me in junior high to Texas Children's Hospital downtown, which is about 30, you know, let's be honest, probably back then it probably took about 45 minutes because we didn't have mm -hmm. all the systems to get down there to meet with a nutritionist two, three times a week. So my parents would pick me up early from junior high and take me down there. At 21, I was diagnosed with diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. And that began my journey there as a diabetic. And I got married to my high school sweetheart, had my, at 22, got married, uh, had a baby at 25 and found myself at 458 pounds. Wow. Literally. Wow. And that was the last medical weight we have recorded of me is 458 pounds. Today I'm looking at you, I'm 165. Wow. So I have lost 292 pounds and it has taken a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> really long time to do that. It's taken me 15 years is when I started to embark on the facing the weight loss situation mm -hmm. journey. And there's a lot involved in a lot of chronic illness and a lot of medical stories, but we're going to stick with this mm -hmm. in 2000. And let's see, Zach was born in 2003. So I guess it was like 05, 06, mm -hmm. 2006. I had lap band surgery, um, which is a surgery they no longer do anymore. Okay. <laughs> and thank God they don't. It's an awful surgery. It, really? It's not okay. I was way too morbidly obese for that surgery. When I went to the bariatric center that I chose downtown in Houston, I picked a surgeon who never lost a patient. And that was a big deal because bariatric surgery is surgery. And it's, and mm -hmm. especially when you're dealing with someone who has weight, a massive amount of weight. And I was diabetic. You really have to know someone who's going to be a great surgeon, right? This guy went on to become really famous, which I like to remind him all the time. I knew you before he had a show on, <laughs> on TLC. You made him what Edison. he is. That's right. So people know 
love my doctor because he's a big TV reality star and author and all these things. Um, But he's a friend of mine now. But anyway, so the reason we went with that surgery was because I have a blood disorder, thalassemia minor. And Mm -hmm. no one in America had gastric bypass and thalassemia minor or any thalassemia. And so they went with lap band because it was more, it was like less scary. Mm -hmm. It was awful. I would Mm. choke all the time. I would um, vomit all the time, every day, every meal, water. It didn't matter. Wake up in the middle of the night, choking on black bile. My pillow would be covered in black. It was a horrible way to live. Yeah. It was not safe, which is why they don't do the surgery anymore. But when I went for the first time to the bariatric center and they give you a chart to find your BMI on the chart, which is nothing like being morbidly obese, right? 458 pounds. They're like, hey, could you find your BMI? I wasn't even on the chart. Literally wow. not even on the chart with the BMI. That's how heavy I was. Right. So cut to um, 2010. I have my daughter, Kana, mm-hmm. and I did lose 100 pounds with Latvian, which is how we got to Kana. Mm-hmm. And that's why she's named Kana after the wedding feast because she's literally a miracle. That's beautiful. And um, yeah, so I love that. But I was on a lot of insulin. I was on about 35 shots of insulin a day. When I had oh my both gosh. my children with Kana, I was on an insulin pump. So a lot of problems, a lot of, you know, high blood pressure, anything you would think with someone with morbid obesity. And it was not mm-hmm. safe for me to have babies. You know, I had eight or nine doctors that were terrified all the time. And uh, that sure. was my medical team. And so uh, after Kana was born, uh, it actually March 29th, nine years ago. So what is it? 2021, so whatever nine years ago was on March right. 29th, I, I did have gastric bypass. So mm-hmm. my doctor called me and he goes, live people with LCM minor are doing gastric bypass. Now let's get you in. Let's get that lap band out. Let's, you know, do this. So nine mm-hmm. years ago, I had gastric bypass. It changed my life. It got me to about 280 pounds is about as far as the surgery brought wow. me. So, you know, they say all the time okay. it's a tool and there's a huge turnover for people who do undergo gastric bypass surgery. It's very common Mm -hmm. to regain the weight or to actually be bigger than what you were um, in about the the span of five years. So it's been nine years Mm -hmm. for me. And uh, obviously I'm a lot smaller than I was when I stopped with the surgery because about you get about 18 months of a honeymoon period of where you could eat anything basically and you're going to lose the weight, you know? So when you get surgery, you, you really have to make sure that you're in it for the long haul, because you will lose the weight. It's kind of like, I tell people it's like breastfeeding, you know, when you're nursing your baby and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm like back to my pre baby weight. And then they stop nursing. Right. And you're like, what did I eat every muffin? <laughs> like what happened? Like all yes. of a sudden, you know what I mean? It's like that. It's like, yes, you have the surgery, you lose the weight and then it really starts. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So 280, yeah. 288, somewhere around there is when I kind of plateaued. So the rest brings us to intermittent fasting. I got down to mm-hmm. now today, 165. Um, I've done it all through intermittent fasting and I've done that for the last few years. I've done it for a long time and it mm-hmm. has been the greatest thing for my diabetes. It's been the greatest thing for my weight. It has been so fantastic. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to lose a full 300 pounds. I haven't done that yet. And, and sadly, I don't think I'm going to make my goal in time because I'm about to have skin removal surgery to remove the 290 pounds of skin Wow! that I have wow. for four surgeries. But, you know, that's okay. I got, I'm pretty close. So, you know. You are. You uh, but I that's love amazing. Fasting. It's changed my life. It really yeah. has in, in many, yeah. many ways. So yeah. Yeah. That's, there you that's, go. I, that's a lot. Really an amazing, amazing story <laughs> that you just shared here. Okay. I know you're used to telling it, but it is still, it's astonishing. Okay. It's a lot. Everyone take um, a chip or an Oreo. You eat something. Through. I mean, it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Before we dive into fasting, I know people sure. are going to have a ton of questions about that. You know, people are very interested in that. It's very on trend sure. and you hear about it a lot more than you used to. Um, so we will get to some of that, but I want to talk about your personal transformation, because what you've just described is a huge physical transformation. But I know that did not happen without physically, spiritually, emotionally 
uh, a change on your end. What, what yeah. do you think was going on with you back when you were so heavy, when you're over 400 pounds? What, what made it possible for you to get there? And then what made it possible for you to begin to take steps toward moving toward right. greater health mentally and, and physically? Right. Dealing with it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I recently actually just in this year of 2021, re received some information through therapy. I'm, I'm very pro therapy. I talk a lot about it because I also, um, deal with that. And on my platform I talk about, mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with extremely severe anxiety and I was diagnosed with severe depression. So that's something that I, mm -hmm. I deal with and I talk about and how I've dealt with that. And that's also a very fascinating story. And it's been through the amazing gift of therapy that I have uncovered some really pretty major trauma that got me to where I was. If I could say it kind of, you know, cause it's very complex and it's, it's a long story, but mm -hmm. basically I had major anxiety, like extremely severe anxiety starting around the age of seven, probably before mm -hmm. then. And the way that I dealt with it was to eat which is a common thing, mm -hmm. right? Because think about whenever you're a child and you can't deal with things emotionally, right? You can't, yeah. you, don't have the, you don't have the words, you don't have the, the structure, you don't have the resources. So the thing that I could do when I was a child and I shared on my podcast, I did an entire uh, episode on my weight, which it's, it's more complicated mm -hmm. than that. But th let's say this, this is the first episode I did on the weight. And I talked about, I remember being seven years old, sitting in front of the refrigerator at three in the morning. Cause I would get up from my bed, go to the fridge, open up the fridge, sit on the floor, take out a casserole and eat it off of the floor and keep the light on, you know, from the fridge to, to make sure I, I could like see if my parents were coming. That's oh a, gosh. that's a disturbing concept, right? That at seven, right. I would self healing. I was self-medicating with food. Right. Right. So right. Obviously you were having that kind of compulsion. On, right. Mm -hmm. Something was going on pretty major that I had to take care of myself emotionally as a child. Yeah. And that I chose that the way that I could do that was through food. Because when you think about it, food is a way that you can control, right? You can control food when as a child, yeah. you can't control a lot of things. So, um, mm -hmm. so there you go. So that was kind of, it came from childhood and, and from anxiety. And that's how I dealt with it. And then, mm -hmm. um, when I, when Zachary was two years old, so he was born in 2010. So 2012, maybe it was 2011. Uh, my husband and my mother sat down with me and literally like how you see on television, they had a notebook, they had a pen, they had like all these things. Oh and they're like, gosh. so this is an intervention. And I was like, oh my intervention? Gosh. like, what is what? this MTV? Like, what am I like? <laughs> I don't understand what have I done. And they're like, so we're going to send you away. And I was like, send me away. And they're like, yes, we found yeah. a facility for you and you're going to go live there and they will regulate your medicine. And, you know, cause I was on so much insulin, they will write, you know, and so many other pills. And they were like, they will mm -hmm. take care of all these things. You will have these types of doctors and this kind of thing. And you'll be gone for six months. And I was like, what do you mean? Is there a van outside? Like, what are we doing? Right. You know, like, what's going on? What's going on? And my mom was like, don't worry. I'll take care of the baby. You know, Nathan can keep working my husband. And I was like, uh, guys, what? I mean, and talk about anxiety just flooded my body. And mm -hmm. I started crying as I'm sure anybody would. And I, I looked at them both and I said, okay, can I look into surgery? Can you give me a shot at this? And mm -hmm. they said, okay, if you're willing to look into surgery, then we can maybe wait. And so I, I did. And so I looked into bariatric wow. surgery. And at the time I could not qualify for any surgery, like I said, except for lap band. And that's mm -hmm. how that journey started. So it, you know, what's interesting is that I was really blessed, Danielle, that I was very well liked in high school. I was, I had a lot of friends. I have a big personality and, mm -hmm. it, you know, and I was known as being like the really funny, like the funny chubby girl. And my husband was mm -hmm. the captain of the football team at his high school. So it's, you know, like he's this like cute little hottie guy that like plays on the football team and <laughs> I'm the funny, like chubby girl. And so I didn't really ever have to deal with it on that social level. Right. You know what I mean? Where a lot of people, because their lives, you know, they're so heavy, they maybe don't have a social life or they don't have like a love life. Right. Or they don't have these things. That wasn't my story. So, right. you know, I'd watch Oprah, remember Oprah and Sally, Jesse, Raphael, <laughs> of and all these Phil Donahue, you know, all the back in the, in the old days. Yeah. 
And I'd see these really heavy people that I could identify with, Mm -hmm. but then I couldn't identify with their story. And I would be like, right. Right. You had this supportive family. You had this great social life. I have all these friends. I was popular in high school. So it was like, I mean, I'm good. Pass me some fried okra, you know, like whatever. Like (laughs) I didn't have to deal with it, you know, and the diabetes, I just kind of, I was so young, you know? Yeah. So young. It was Mm -hmm. like, it started with pills and then I didn't have to really move to shots until um, probably about two, three years into it. And then really had to, when I was pregnant, pregnancy changed a lot of Mm -hmm. stuff. And then after having a baby, I think everybody got really scared. So it was scary. You know, it was really, everyone in my support system was terrified. And how do you talk to someone who's morbidly obese? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you talk to them and say, I love you. I see what's happening in your body. Mm-hmm. I see how sick you are all the time. I was sick all the time, not just with my chronic illnesses, every cold, every allergy, every flu, every everything I would get mm-hmm. all the time. I was constantly sick, couldn't walk, couldn't wow. you know do anything. So it really, but when you're the person inside of that, of that space, that physical space that you've built, you don't know. It's a very slow way to get sick. You know, it's the whole boiling mm-hmm. of the frog scenario. It's, you know, if you have a pot of boiling water, you throw a frog in, he's going to hop out. But if you have a pot and you right. put a frog in and you turn up the heat slowly, he's going to like eventually die, but he'll get used to it. Mm-hmm. That's very similar with type two diabetes. It's a very long disease. Mm-hmm. It's a very slow disease, uh, morbid obesity, you know, so you, you adjust, you get used to your life. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't yeah. really until Cana that I really started to face some things and really face my, my mortality and what mm-hmm. that was going to happen. You know, I was in my early thirties and I really saw, God, I'm just not getting over this. I'm still in the high three hundreds. I wore, mm-hmm. I was, I, I could barely wear anything in Lane Bryant anymore. I could barely wear, you know, I was at the edge of, of their, you know, I was in size 32s. I just put on my first pair mm-hmm. of tens guest jeans. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. And I'm wearing small shirts now and sweaters. I used to wear a 5X, you know? And when I was really yeah. healthy, I wore a 3X. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. that was me being like- Isn't skinny. that amazing? It's amazing. So different. So different. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, so it was you're a long process. this transformation that like physically was dra- very dramatic, but over the course yeah. of a long period of time, like you're talking about the frog in the water that- you know, your health was deteriorating in this way that wasn't immediate and dramatic and like, oh my gosh, I need to do something until that moment of intervention, perhaps where your family's like, you know, we care about you. We're worried about you and that. Um, But I I think, you know, also your recovery has has had dramatic moments, of course, having that weight loss surgery. But then, you know, I think with regard to intermittent fasting, Mm -hmm. it is a slower paced kind of adjustment of the way that you're living your life, the, your relationship with food while you're healing spiritually and emotionally, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with that idea of fasting. So maybe describe for us a little bit about how you how you first kind of figured out this intermittent yeah. fasting thing. Were you jumping on like a, a trend, a bandwagon, or was it something you were experimenting with on your own? So here's what's really funny. I have a friend from college, my best guy from from college, still lives in Houston. And we were at their house where the God, my husband and I are godparents to one of their children. And we were over there and, and he was saying that he was fasting. And I was like, oh my mm. gosh, that's so unhealthy. Like I got so like into this whole, like yelled at him and I, you know, like, like a big sister, mm-hmm. right? Like I was like, what are you right? doing? You can't do that. Take care of yourself. Blah, 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 blah. I didn't know anything, what I was saying. And, um, cut to about two years after that we were in Lent and I am already a natural vegetarian, which really fascinates a lot of people really fascinated every doctor I saw. So since the age of three, I stopped eating meat completely. I don't uh-huh. need any meat. I never have uh, chicken, seafood, nothing. You just so you don't me, like it. Or was there another reason? Stopped eating it. My parents said I started pushing off my plate and I just naturally stopped eating it. Now I have a friend who has a theory that thinks that that's when I started taking control of my eating. Uh-huh. She just brought that up to me the other day. She was like, Liv, I've never met anyone else that doesn't eat any meat or any seafood since they were a baby. And I don't. And I right. say it's a texture issue, but that's kind of something to think about. So I don't know. But um, mm-hmm. so being vegetarian, 400 pounds, people didn't know what to tell me to eat. And, um, right. you know, so I 
Lent was never a hard thing for me, right? Because on Fridays, yeah. I was like, <laughs> if Jesus had come down and said, so I need you to eat a filet of fish, I would be like, oh God, you know, like, what am I going to do? Because I don't eat seafood. So like not eating meat on Fridays, <laughs> I was like, finally, the rest of the world is here with me. So I decided to fast. I decided, okay, mm-hmm. well, instead of doing the whole cheese, grilled cheese, lentils, whatever thing, which is called Tuesday for me, I will just <laughs> fast. And I ended up fasting the entire Friday. I forgot to eat or like I got busy or which is crazy because usually I never missed any meals, but I was really trying to be like mm-hmm. amazing. Woke up the next day and I had lost three pounds and I was like, okay, that's a little crazy, which by the way, everybody, that is a little crazy. It's just because my body was, yeah, that's you know, not how it generally works. That's not generally how it works. <laughs> And I was talking to my friend again and he was like, well, Liv, really what you were kind of doing was intermittent fasting. And, and, you know, if you actually are intentional about it and you schedule and you, you know, whatever. And so I went to my internist and I, and, cause I now have a medical team of about five. I've gone from nine to five. And I said, mm-hmm. what do you think about this? You know, I did not know it was a trend. I did not know I could get any information <laughs> on YouTube or book or anything. <laughs> And he was like, I'm for it because it's really great for diabetics, he said, because here's the thing, Hmm. your sugar is going to stay level because it's not going to go up and down and up and down. And your body isn't going to be so tired because it's not going to be processing food all day. And especially as a diabetic, Mm -hmm. processing all the things. So if you can do it, Liz, I want you to try. So I started really slow and I tried to get to like 2 p.m. every day. And I would Mm -hmm. break my fast with like, a banana. And then I'd push it to four and then I pushed it to six. And now, which again, I want everybody to listen. I have an internist and I am under the, I am under my doctor and they know what I'm doing and they are okay with it. Mm-hmm. So nobody else, but I literally um, do not eat till 8 30 PM every night. That is the first time I will have wow. a meal or any solid food at all is 8 30 PM. And I only have one meal and that's it. I don't do a window anymore. I just do that. And my blood mm-hmm. sugar is for people who don't know about diabetes, they measure it with an A1C. That's the test. And it's over a three month period. The A1C number tells them what your um, blood sugar has been for the last three months. So it's a blood test. Mm-hmm. And when I was diagnosed with diabetes, it was, a, it was like around 14, your blood sugar A1C should be between four and six. So anything above 6.5, okay. they consider you pre-diabetic. Seven is when they're like, you're diabetic. I was at a 14. I was in the hospital, 21 years old. Wow. My A1C is 5.1. Like, wow. it's, like they're like, we're okay. diabetic. So I totally right. get that to intermittent fasting. And like I said, I'm on an extreme thing right now. And I have been for a really right. long time, but my medical team's okay with that. And it works for me mm-hmm. and where my body is right now. And especially- And you're feeling time. good that way. I feel amazing. I, I, I sometimes now have to remember to eat and have a very different relationship with food now because I cannot mm-hmm. turn to food for the things that I used to turn to it. You know, you need to I can relearn no longer, that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because it's like we broke up, you know, it was like we had this very <laughs> unhealthy, toxic relationship on my This end. torrid romance. <laughs> yes, totally. And, uh, and I had to kick him to the curb. So, you know, I've had to deal mm-hmm. with things in a very different way, which then cuts sure. into my mental health story. But yeah, I couldn't rely on food anymore. And yeah, so I'm in a good space with food. I don't, I don't love it. Like I used to, I can't eat it. Mm-hmm. Like I used to, I can't even like, even yeah. if I try, but that's where I'm at. So it's kind of, yeah. Well, like, what story. you're describing is, um, you know, someone who isn't at at all familiar with the idea of intermittent fasting, they're going to be like, she's yeah. nuts. Like, that's I'm like, guys, this, this is off. an extreme like, story. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Danielle. <laughs> this is extreme. <laughs> but just so, you know, so that everybody can understand here. Yeah. Liv is yeah, describing please. something that's extreme, but she's, she's under her doctor's care. And for sure, she's not recommending everybody go out and do nope. this tomorrow. No. Um, but this idea of fasting, you mentioned that you started it with Lent. And yeah. um, that was the first time I ever experimented with it as well. You know, for me, going like, you know, 18 years of always being pregnant or breastfeeding. Like I never, fasting did not apply to right. me. Right, like, like, I never had just, to do that. 
<laughs> I, yeah, that wasn't my thing. But then I found myself at a place in life where like, oh, I it does apply to me. And what does that mean exactly? And began to explore that a little bit. So what's your relationship now with the idea of fasting? How do you experience that spiritually? And how do you see, you know, your faith as playing a role inside of this journey that you've been on? Oh yeah. Oh geez. I mean, how long do we have? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many parts to all this, right? It's like, it's so, it's so many layers, you know, especially with weight Mm -hmm. or, you know, extreme things like this. My faith is huge. You know, first of all, God has walked me through the people that he put in my life who have helped me get to where I am today. You don't get somewhere without Mm -hmm. a huge team behind you, without a huge force of support, you know, of course, lots of prayer, lots of, you know, um, lots of come to Jesus moments, you know, like we've had to have a lot of talks, you know, like God, like seriously, Mm -hmm. I couldn't have like gotten to wear a bikini. Like what would that have done to the, to the kingdom? You know what I mean? Like that's going to really hurt the kingdom (laughs) if I could have worn a bikini, but you know, that's fine. That's fine. Well, we'll talk about that later, (laughs) but you know, um, it's, it's been this, big actual spiritual journey of self of meeting myself for the first time, this huge surgery I have coming up to have this first of four surgeries of skin removal, right? The first one, six and a half hours will be concentrated just on my torso. And I'll, you know, they'll do an incision around my entire body. And then from my sternum to my, to below my belly button, because it's called a fleur de lis, which I think is spiritual. I think that's kind of cool. Like when they told me I was going to have to have a fleur de lis because that's connected with Mary. Um, but, but it's not for a good reason. They were like, it's because you've lost so much weight. We have to do this one. I'm like, it's fine. It means Mary. So, <laughs> we're going to make a Catholic. I like it. Um, I I've really kind of gone through an identity crisis. I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, and I don't think that that's a weird thing to say because I've been this one person my whole life, the very heavy, morbidly obese person. And now, mm-hmm. um, I tell everybody I'm turning in my safety suit. I, I feel like I'm about to unzip. <laughs> And take off my safety suit, you know, and I've got to figure out who Mm -hmm. is this? Who am I really without this protection? Because my weight served me big time for a long time. A lot of our vices do, right? There's a reason why Mm -hmm. we turn to these vices and it's not just because we don't have enough faith. And I want people to hear that. It's not because I mm-hmm. didn't love Jesus or Mary or my Catholic faith that I ate a, you know, an Oreo or that I have anxiety mm-hmm. or that I go into depression. That is not a thing, you know, and, and we've got to talk about how we are fully fat, you know, multifaceted human beings with a spiritual self and emotional self and physical self and that all of these things work together. Right. But it's not a crisis of faith if some of the things mm-hmm. are not working. And we like to tend to be like, oh, well, you just didn't believe enough in God or you just, you know, whatever, whatever. And it's like, oh, okay. So if I had two broken legs in a hospital, would you walk in and say, oh, did you not say a rosary today? Is that why you pray pray harder? Yeah, exactly. Is that why your legs are broken? Guys, what are we doing here? (laughs) So, you know, God is absolutely a part of this entire journey and story of how, you know, I'm healing and how I'm, I am meeting myself for the first time in a lot of ways, Danielle. Because I no longer have this orb around me, you know, of protection. Yeah. And, and so God and I have been having a lot of talks and he's been bringing me through a lot of healing and a lot of trying to face this, this surgery that I'm about to come up to and, and get me prepared and ready. And I think it's really cool that I'm, I'm having this first surgery on Holy Thursday is when I'll be having on April 1st and I'll have my own little resurrection. I'll have a whole new body and a whole new insides and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know if that kind of answers anything or yeah, for sure. It's sort of all encompassing, right? I think, you know, the way you've experienced this, of course, it's a very physical transformation, but your, your faith has, has definitely played a role in it because that's been part of who you are from the beginning. So of course it's going to be part of this change. And of course, this kind of healing is what God wants for you. You know, I think like that heartbreaking story of the little seven-year-old girl getting up in the middle of the night and that's not what God's plan was for that little girl. And that's not what he wanted for you. And so I think this whole journey, all that you've been through has been coming to fully realize what God's plan is for you and where he's bringing you to. 
I love that you shared about your upcoming surgery because we're going to be praying for you. This won't air till after your surgery. Great. So folks, there's no time, you know, God's Good outside God. of time. You can, you can pray for Liv <laughs> and after that surgery. and then go look so, her up and see how she's doing on social media. <laughs> keep praying. <laughs> I'll take prayer anytime. It's perfect. But yeah, but it Absolutely. did happen on Holy Thursday. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Well, I'm glad myself to know personally, and I'll be, I'll be praying for you, especially Thank on you. that day. We're almost out of time here. And we've got so much more that I want to get to. But one thing I really want to make sure that I hit here is, Liv, there are probably people listening that may be morbidly obese. Maybe not. Maybe they just struggle with a little bit of weight, a lot of weight, whatever their journey is. It's such a complicated, difficult, emotional experience, especially for us women. Do you have any particular just general words of advice or encouragement you might offer to somebody who's struggling with that in any way? Yeah. Listen, I I want anybody who's listening to know that at any time you can contact me and, and we can talk, you know, because it's not something you can talk to everybody. Even if you only have five pounds to lose, you won't offend me. You know, my friends are like, Oh, sorry. It's not a big, I'm like, it is a big deal. Five pounds is five pounds, you know, and don't, don't Mm -hmm. act like that's not a big deal. So I don't care where you are in your story. It is a big deal, but here's what I want people to remember. My favorite thing, it's like I say, living in the South, I love that we have hurricanes to deal with. You know why? Because we know they're coming. You know what I mean? Like there's other things you don't know about. You don't know when an earthquake's coming. I know when a hurricane's coming. Okay. I love that. I appreciate that. Thank you, God. Great thing about weight. You can change that anytime you want. That's a cross Mm -hmm. that you can face anytime you want. I want to get out to people's heads it is nothing about you. You are not broken. You are not, you know, there's nothing like as in like evil or bad or whatever. You're a wounded, beautiful soul like the rest of us. You have a cross like the rest of us. You can face that at any time. Your weight is going nowhere. So if you fail today, you got tomorrow. You fail today, you got the next hour. You failed this meal, you got the next meal. It's always look ahead at the next thing. Do not think you are what you're eating at this moment. If you're eating an Oreo right now, you know, like you can't, that's okay. (laughs) It's a constant story. It's taken me 15 years to lose 292 pounds. 15 years, okay? a long time. So it is a journey. And yes, I still eat cake and yes, I still have pizza. Like, you know what I mean? You've got to love yourself. You've got to get in a, a real relationship with yourself about food and life Mm -hmm. and enjoying it and how to do both, how to go for health and be a part of life. It's all about moderation. The Catholic church is great at that. So it's okay. Mm -hmm. I want people to know you can start at any time. And I love that. That's a great part about the cross of weight. So it's always there. Yeah. Oh, such wise words of advice. And so if people want to check check out what you're sharing on social media, where should they go? What's your, your Instagram handle and where else might you be sharing online? All the things. So I'm the Liv Harrison on all the things because Liv Harrison was taken. So we had to go with the Liv Harrison. <laughs> so so I know that Liv sounds Liv ridiculous. Harrison. It's not to be mistaken for anyone else. That's right. So that's it. So go Instagram, D live Harrison. My website is D live Harrison and, uh, and you can find me and that's where, that's where to go and come and talk to me. I'm a real person. I don't mind talking about all the things. So ask me. Oh, that's so great. I know people are going to be doing that. I know it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Liv. I, I'm astonished by you. I truly am. I'm so (laughs) grateful for you and your story and your openness and the generosity with which you just pour yourself out for other people. I'm so grateful for that. So thank you so much for coming on Girlfriends and sharing some of your story. Thank you, friend. Nice to see you. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, coming up, we've got more Girlfriends for you, but first a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to the Girlfriends Podcast. Do you ever feel like you're just going through the motions at Mass? You know the liturgy's important, but you get distracted, your heart's not into it, and you want to encounter Jesus more in every prayer and ritual of the liturgy. Hi, I'm Dr. Edward Sree, the author of the newly revised 10th anniversary edition of A Biblical Walk Through the Mass, a small group study for Catholics. Since its original 2011 release, A Biblical Walk Through the Mass has helped hundreds of thousands of Catholics around the world grow in their faith, rediscover the Eucharist, and fall more deeply in love with our Lord in the liturgy. For this revised 10th anniversary edition, we have the same core content, but we filmed stunning new videos in the gorgeous Cathedral Basilica in Philadelphia, bringing beautiful all-new footage to this beloved study. 
If you'd like a free preview or to learn more, go to ascensionpress.com slash the mass. Again, for a free preview or to learn more, go to ascensionpress.com slash the mass. One word, the mass. Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where we're doing a mini book club for Whisper, Finding God in the Everyday, my new book that is available from Ascension Press. And we're on chapter two. I just want to share a little bit about what I talk about inside chapter two of Whisper. So chapter two is called Tasting Goodness, Finding God in Joy. So in this chapter, I take a look at pleasure at joy, the things that we enjoy, worldly pleasures, things that we enjoy every day, and some of the ways that God is truly present to us in the things that we might enjoy. And in one of the quotations that I share in this chapter is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that really is key here because so many of us have a complicated relationship with pleasure. We sometimes we might be afraid of really enjoying things because we we're worried we're going to cross that that boundary into sin, right? Enjoying something too much. How do we how do we find that? You know, whether we're talking about food or we're talking about sex or we're talking about material goods, like how do we enjoy the things of the world in a way that's godly, in a way that we can experience God inside of these things? And and I look at that, you know, um in in this chapter and and one of the things I share is that there was a, a science experiment that I read about once where these rats were given sugar. They were given a dose of sugar for completing certain tasks. And, you know, so like if they they tap on a board, they get some sugar. Or if they climb a, a, a ladder, they get some sugar or, you know, whatever it was. And the scientists just kept making the tasks more and more complicated so that they would get the sugar. And the rats just kept up, kept on doing more and more complicated things. And then in the end, this is the part that astonished me, in the end, they made it so that the rats had to do something that would actually cause them pain, like get an electric shock, touch something that gave them an electric shock in order to get the sugar. And the rats did it. They wanted the sugar badly enough that they would endure physical pain, willingly injure themselves in order to get that dose of sugar. And that was really eye-opening for me because I thought to myself, how many times do we as human beings do this? We hurt ourselves, we destroy ourselves just trying to get that hit of sugar, whatever it is for you. Maybe it's online shopping or maybe it's food or drink or sex or money, whatever it is. How many times do we hurt ourselves and hurt other people to get that get that hit, get that dose of sugar? And what's missing there is, you know, what what's mentioned in that passage from scripture that I just read, do it, do it all for the glory of God, keeping God in his place. What's missing is when we enjoy these things as an end in themselves. One of the examples that I use in the chapter is the example of pornography, which of course is a grave evil and an affront to the dignity of every human being. And yet it's a multi-billion dollar worldwide profitable industry. Why is that? Because people are getting that dose of sugar. They're looking for that dose of sugar. And inside of it, though, what we're doing, whenever we're chasing any kind of pleasure, whether it's it's food or just the, the pleasure of a comfortable bed or any way that we experience pleasure, is an experience of something that's reflecting the goodness of God, the joy of God. We're seeking God even when sometimes we seek these things in sinful ways, what's driving us, we're driven towards something good. There's something good about it. Even inside of pornography, the, the beauty of the human body, the, the beauty of sex, the gift of sex, or the, you know, the gift, the blessing of food, delicious food, which sometimes we will take to excessive extremes. And we do that because when we cross that boundary, when we cross that boundary from enjoying something as an experience, as a reflection of God, and doing it all in a way that gives glory to God, when we cross over and start pursuing that thing as an end in itself, that's when it becomes that rat's dose of sugar, where we hurt ourselves and hurt others in our pursuit of it. But God is present to us even inside of the small joys of every day. And that's the other part of what I share in this chapter, that 
even outside of, you know, these complicated ways where we might think about, you know, things that we we don't want to cross over into the category of something being addictive or pursuing something for its own sake outside of God, making something a God in our minds, replacing God with whatever earthly pleasure it is. Even outside of that, we miss some of the beautiful ways that God is present to us in the everyday just because we're so darn busy. We're, we're stuck on our cell phones. We're, we're doing so many things. We're wearing the word busy like it's a badge of honor, just filling our days with lists of things to do, activities that we're participating in, driving the kids here and there. And we don't pause often enough to fully experience the pleasure of maybe a meal shared together with your family, or just the warmth of the sunshine on your skin, or um, a, a conversation with a friend where you look them in the eyes, that connection, that human connection, the, the joy of that. God is present to us in all of those things. And so the other part of what I hope to share in this chapter, chapter two in Whisper, is an encouragement to slow down a little bit, to be more fully present to our everyday experiences and the ways in which God does want us to enjoy good things and that he is fully present to us inside of all the small ways that we might enjoy our lives, enjoy our our relationships with our husbands, with our children, the way we might enjoy conversations with friends or the beauty of the natural world, that all of these things are a shadow, a reflection of something even more beautiful, the beauty of God, the joy of God, the joy we're meant to find in God. And if we can recognize that, We can recognize that they don't replace God and we're not to pursue them in place of God, but that they're meant to be that reflection of God, a reminder of God, an icon that turns our hearts and our minds toward God. Then we can appreciate them. We can enjoy them in the way that we read in Corinthians, in a way that gives glory to God. All of these things we can enjoy and we can do in a way that gives glory to God. But I'd love to know from you, especially if you've received your copy of Whisper and you've read it, I'd love to know your feedback and your questions, your ideas and thoughts, especially on chapter two, which is finding God in joy. So you can send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. Connect with me on Voxer or on Instagram. I love to connect with you on Instagram. I'm Danielle Bean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Would love to be able to connect with you there. And that's all the time we have for today, but I want to thank you for being here. It's so encouraging to me to know that you are here, that you are present, that we are able to connect through the podcast here week after week. I am so grateful for the fact that you show up and you share a little bit of your time here with me each week. Thank you for that. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 